I drove the boat. The LaSalle River ride. I don't know if they had that at the Six Flags here in Missouri, but Six Flags over Texas, they had a ride called the LaSalle River ride. Did they have that here? I don't know if they did or not. Anyway, the LaSalle River ride was designed to recreate the adventures of the 17th century French explorer uh, LaSalle as he made an expedition down the Mississippi River. And as the ride would go around, each boat would load up at the dock, and you would load up about 25 people into the boat. And then a Six Flags employee dressed in a period costume would narrate the journey. And about halfway through the trip, the riverboat captain would select somebody from the boat riders to come up and drive the boat. That lucky person would get to go to the front of the boat where there was uh, one of those big, you know, kind of steering wheels like you see on the the pirate ships. And and they would get to to steer uh, the boat the the rest of the way through the uncharted waters of the Six Flags back lot. On on about the 15th time that I rode that particular ride, I got picked. I went up to the front and, and, and began to steer. You know, you, you watch on TV where you don't really know how to drive anything. You, you just kind of go like this, you know, thinking that that's going to do something. And so I was just doing that, just going, going down the LaSalle River ride, and the guy that was the uh, uh, LaSalle guy was narrating the trip. And then I looked down, and, and I saw the secret I wasn't really driving the boat at all. In fact, I could turn that wheel in any direction that I wanted to, and it was going to go the same way because the boat wasn't actually floating in the water. It it was on this track that ran just below the surface of the water where as a, a passenger in the boat, you couldn't actually see this, but up at the front you could. There was this track that the boat would follow along, and, and it would follow exactly the same path every Time. No matter where I turned the wheel, the, the boat was going to go by the same supply depot, by the same bandit attack, and see the same tree knocked down by the same mechanical woodchuck. Paul discovered a similar truth about his salvation. He was not driving the boat. Or the way that Saul explained it, Paul was not Saved through his own strength. In fact, he could not save himself. His salvation was completely and totally through Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul explained it here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When it comes to salvation, we need to understand who's driving the boat. We are saved in Christ alone. We gave up the captain's hat. When I got to drive that boat at Six Flags, the, the riverboat captain, the Six Flags employee there that was narrating the journey, he let me wear his hat. Now, at the time, that seemed like a big deal, even though I knew in three minutes after the ride was over I was going to give the hat back, and the next kid that got to drive the boat was going to get to wear the hat. 
But wearing the hat seemed like it made me the one in charge, or at least that's the way I thought it did. When we think that we are in charge of our salvation, we're like that little 10-year-old kid wearing the captain's hat. I wasn't really driving the boat, and wearing the hat didn't make me captain. Paul realized that about his own salvation. A couple of verses early in verse 17, he describes, If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now, this section probably was written so that Paul could answer some arguments, some charges that were being brought against him. Uh, One of those particular charges was that, that he preached and proclaimed that the gospel of Jesus Christ set us free from our sin, that that Christ had paid the price in full on the cross for our sin. And there were those in Paul's day who were arguing, well, if that's true, then we can just sin all we want to. Christ has already paid the price for all of our sins, so it doesn't really matter how we live. We can do anything we want to do. Or at least they were accusing Paul of that teaching. I didn't say it was a good argument, but that was the argument they were making against him. Paul answered with a definitive, you've got to be kidding me. Or, or as Paul wrote it, he said, absolutely not. Paul had tried to save himself as a Pharisee. He had tried to follow all the laws, all the commandments, all the regulations, and he saw how horrifically he failed at that task. Instead of righteousness, he just went around killing people. Now he had been set free in Christ. To even suggest that he wanted to sin more was absurd. It was the very thing that Christ had allowed him to leave behind. Now notice between verses 17 and 18, the pronoun changes from we to I. This wasn't just some theological argument for Paul. This was personal for him. He knew this from Scripture. He knew what the prophets had said the Messiah was going to do and how Jesus had fulfilled all of those prophecies exactly to the letter. He knew it from Scripture. He knew it from the teachings of Jesus that he had received through the disciples. He knew this is what Jesus said that he was going to do. He he saw what happened in the lives of other believers who had come to faith in Christ. He knew all of that. But Paul also knew this from his personal experience with Jesus. Paul was no longer the Lord of his life. He had turned complete control over to Jesus. I remember the first time my dad let me drive. We were on a country road out in the middle of West Texas. We hadn't seen a car nor a tree for miles. And so I guess my dad figured out or thought that that I wouldn't run into anything. So he said, oh, come on over here. I'll let you drive for a little bit. I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I I couldn't figure out how to use the accelerator. I couldn't figure out how to steer the car. I couldn't even get it into drive. I I didn't know what I was supposed to do. 
After about five minutes of wobbling all over the road, uh, I told my dad, you know, I think you ought to drive this for a while. (laughs) Something he had realized about five minutes ago. Fortunately, eventually, I did learn how to drive. When it comes to salvation, though, I'm never going to master that. No matter how hard I might try, I will never save myself. But I don't have to. Jesus already accomplished that for me. He has done everything that needed to be done for me to be saved. He accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished on the cross. And when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, He saved me completely. When I gave up trying to be Lord of my life, when I accepted the one true Lord of all, I gave up the captain's hat. That's a good thing. Because trying to drive my own life, I'd wind up in the ditch every time. Paul discovered this same truth. He describes it by saying, I was crucified with Christ. Something amazing had happened. We live in Christ because Christ lives in us. Paul notes the glaring problem with all the charges that had been brought against him that somehow the gospel that he was proclaiming encouraged sin. That ridiculous charge led to the even more ridiculous implication that somehow we might live a life that was good enough to save ourselves. Now, Paul's just argued that couldn't possibly be true, uh, an answer that he finds both in Scripture and in his own personal experience. But this was much more for him than just a theological debate. The ultimate implication of what they were charging him with was devastating. He describes it in verse 21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul's argument's devastating. If it was somehow possible for us, To gain our salvation through living according to the law. If that was possible, then Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. If it was possible for you and me to somehow attain salvation by living our lives good enough to be made righteous before God, if that was possible, then the Father allowed His Son to die on the cross for nothing. Paul writes, that simply could not be. But Paul doesn't just argue from the negative, he also argues from the positive. And what a beautiful statement he makes here in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's old sinful self, all those terrible things that he had done trying to prove himself righteous, all those times that he had stood by while true believers in the Savior had been stoned to death, beaten, thrown into prison, run out of town, all the horrible things that he had done had been nailed to the cross there with Jesus. And the life that he now lived, it was no longer in his own strength. The life he now lived, he lived in Christ. He had been crucified with Christ. Now the tense that that Paul uses there of, of the verb as he describes being crucified with Christ, it indicates something that happens in the past, but it has a continuing effect Jesus' death on the cross had not just changed Paul for one day. Jesus' death on the cross had changed Paul for all eternity. The life he now lived. And that that verb, uh, it's a verb in in the present. It it, it indicates a moment-by-moment walk with the Lord. A, a, A total dependence Upon the power of Christ. The life he now lives, he did not live by his own strength. He lived by faith in Christ. And so do we all. I don't know about you, but I am really glad that's true. I've seen how I mess things up. I've watched my repair jobs that then I have to call the repairman and get him in there to fix not only what the original problem was, but whatever else I tore up trying to fix it. I've seen how my solutions only make the problem worse. I'm glad there's somebody else that knows what to do. Now that is true in plumbing repairs, but it's far more true, infinitely more true. When it comes to my salvation, I know the mistakes that I've made. And I also know that I don't even know the half of it. I know what I see. I know the disgusting ways that that I have tried to react to life. But I know that from God's perspective, it's even worse than that. I'm disgusted when I look at my sin. And I don't see it from God's perspective. But the glorious truth is, God doesn't see my sin either. Because 50 years ago, my sin was covered completely by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The day I ask Him to forgive my sin, to come into my life as my Lord and Savior, from that time forward, when God looks at me, He doesn't see all the mess that I've made. He doesn't see all the mistakes that I've made. When God looks at me, He sees only the righteousness of Jesus. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, that's true for you as well. When God looks at you, He doesn't look at the guilt of the stuff that you've done in the past. He doesn't look at the mistakes that you've made. When God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ who lives in you. If you're here this morning and you've never personally received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you're dragging behind you a weight of guilt and shame, you can know this very same truth in your life. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Realize all of the guilt that he dragged along in his life. He had stood by and watched, holding the garments of those who were stoning one of the best men of his day, Stephen. He watched as Stephen cried out to God with his final words. And Paul could say, It is no longer I. That live, but Jesus Christ in me. And that same wonderful truth can be true for you today. If simply by faith you'll receive the one true Savior in life. You can leave this place saying with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Those of us that know you by faith, Heavenly Father, help us to recognize that it's no longer us that lives anymore. All that guilt and shame that we've carried around, we left that at the foot of the cross. And now you live in us. God, help us to realize that truth. For sometimes as believers, we keep living in that shame and guilt. Even though you don't see it anymore, we keep dredging it up. So God, help us to see that when Jesus died on the cross, He forgave us completely. And Heavenly Father, it is our fervent prayer this morning. If there's someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that right now, right here in this place, they would come to know Your forgiveness and grace. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.